Yes, God. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Last week when I was in San Antonio preaching for my son, as soon as the service was over, several people from the church texted me and said, you have to listen to the message from Eddie James. So I immediately asked the media team to cut that part out of, you know, of the service, send it to me. And I was blown away. I, I had not talked to Eddie before that service. And I've only texted him since then. And his response was, thanks for trusting me. I thought that to be very appropriate. But I told him I appreciated his obedience to the Lord. And he said, so much prophetic stuff in that service, I will not even attempt to recount it all. But I did know he, I do want to recognize that he said something about this church being different. Something about the Holy Ghost. But he kept saying these words, all in. All in. Say it with me. All in. All in. All in. Fully committed with no restrictions. Fully committed with no restrictions. I prayed today and I said, Lord, send the, the all in people today. Is there any all in people here today? Acts chapter 2 verse 1 and when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly say that word suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house they were all in one accord it filled all the house where they were sitting I like what Marty said earlier all they did was just obey they didn't know what was going to happen. They just did what he said. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. Tell your neighbor, this is in the Bible. This is in the Bible. Yeah. And it sat upon each of them. How many of them? All of them. And they were all filled. How many? They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Lord, help me to expedite your expression to your people today because I know some of these people would not be able to sit here to hear this entire message if I went at my own pace. So I'm going to ask you to give me prophetic speed today. And I'm going to ask you to speak very quickly to these people. And I'm going to ask you not just to charge them, but change them by the preaching of this prophetic word. We're already touched, completed with a change. In Jesus' name. I break every generational curse in this building. And any demonic generational spirit that is against your progress is cast out now in the name of Jesus. Well, would you just give him one more good praise before you sit down? Amen.
Everyone say these words with me. Pentecost, the proof that I'm all in. Say it again. Pentecost, the proof that I'm all in. It is said that the average Christian and the average church are somewhere bogged down between Calvary and Pentecost. They have been to Calvary for pardon, but they have not been to Pentecost for power. They've been to Calvary for pardon. They have not been to Pentecost for power. I ask myself a question this morning. How have we been so able to be so delinquent in recognizing such an important event. Hmm. Why were we so ready to overlook the power? Does it scare us? Would people think strange of us if they found out we speak in other tongues? Would they think it strange if somebody started prophesying? Are we scared of that? Whose approval are we looking for? Hmm. So I thought about some things. Bethlehem means God with us. Calvary means God for us. But Pentecost means God in us. God in us. The power of God in you. That's strong. Someone once said that Pentecost marks the rounding of the Christian church as an institution. I say it a little differently. Pentecost represents the birthing of the church that Jesus told us about. Without Pentecost, there is no church. It birthed the church. It is said that this day marks the dividing line between the ministry of the Lord Jesus and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus in the flesh is God doing things for us. The Holy Spirit is God doing things through us. You can't ignore the dispensation of the Holy Ghost, which is the final expression of God in the earth. This is it. We are it. How could we live purpose appropriately exempt from the power that he provides? That's an impossibility. Why be scared of the power he's afforded you to enjoy? Hmm. I start thinking. Historically, even chronologically through scripture, that God has a way of doing things. The old saints used to say that God's got a way of doing things and I like the way he do it. 
But God is a God, when you look at scripture, of patterns. Even creating seasons so that you could sow and reap and it be predictable. As long as the earth remains. There will be seed time and harvest. There will be winter and summer, cold and heat. There'll be light and there'll be darkness. These are predictable laws. Why? To encourage you to trust his seasons. I thought, what an incredible God that you're such a great designer. In other words, you wouldn't design the project with defeat being the ultimatum. You would only design a project that would have victory in the end. So I asked myself a question. What is Pentecost? Say it with me. What is? Is it an event? Or is it an experience? It's actually both. The event is in scripture. It's one of seven synchronized feasts that the Jews enjoyed for the purpose of predictability. So it's an event that had a date attached to it. Lord have mercy. You knew when it was coming up. So you knew how to prepare for it. The event was a festival. Theologians tell us that it was purposely characterized by two things. Immense joy and deep gratitude. Sound like church to me. Immense joy and deep gratitude. So you came to the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Pentecost, to throw down. Are y'all with me? I mean to throw a party. In this event, as with all the feast, there was offerings required. Deuteronomy 16.10 says, And you shall keep Pentecost, the feast of weeks, to the Lord your God with a tri tribute of a freewill offering in your hand, which you shall give to the Lord your God according as the Lord your God hath blessed you. Think about that. What do we do every year at Easter? Passover what? Offering. My question is, why don't we do a Pentecost offering? If you're going to follow the pattern, God said, do not come to my presence empty-handed. And you ought to read the offering they were required to bring. Are y'all all right this morning? Seven lambs, two rams, bring a goat, two loaves of bread, and bring it to Pentecost and party. And if anyone's not enjoying themselves, remind them that this particular festival was a celebration of that which is over. I came by to tell you, you ought to rejoice today. If not for anything else, you ought to rejoice for the stuff that's over in your life. Stuff that ended in your life. Addiction that ended in your life. 
relationships that were soul ties that ended in your life. Somebody ought to celebrate for some stuff that's already done. But it was not only a celebration for what was over, it was jubilation for what was about to start. So the joy and the thanksgiving was on this wise. Thank you for everything you've done. And we are extremely excited about what you are about to do. Now some of y'all have already thanked him that stuff is over. But I need a church that'll thank him for stuff with joy that's about to happen. Stuff that ain't never happened. So Pentecost means 50. 50. It was the 50th day after Passover. Jubilee is the 50th year. Jubilee is when everything that was lost is returned. Can I prophesy to you in Jesus' name that I believe things you lost this year will be returned to you? Jubilee means all debts are canceled. Jubilee means reunion and restoration of your family. Can I believe with some of you, your entire household shall be saved? That God will restore your marriage? Oh, I'm going to get after the devil today for even messing with you. Somebody shout, it's all coming back together this year. So I thought about it. Pentecost is jubilee compressed. Pentecost is jubilee compressed. What took 49 years was celebrated in the 50th year of jubilee. In Pentecost, what took 49 weeks was celebrated the 50th week. When I saw that, the Lord brought to my mind compression. God is about to compress time in your life. What used to take six months is going to take six weeks. I dare you to throw your head back and shout, I want my stuff back. I want it all back. Some of y'all want it all back. I can see it. If you want it all back, give him a praise like it just showed up at your door. I want it all back. I want my joy back. I want my peace back. So I'm praying. I'm thinking, how deep do I want to go in this message? And the Lord said, it's already deep. You ain't got to go there. So I thought about the pattern and how God had all these festivals. They were predictable. God is a God of design. God is a God of strategy. He starts with the end. Then he gives the end a beginning, Isaiah said. So it's over before it starts. That's good stuff, y'all. So I thought, well, it is an event, and that's all good. But it is also an experience. The experience is available to happen for you. Paul walks up to the church at Ephesus and he says, have you received, come on Brenda, have you received what? The Holy Ghost since you believed. You already saved. But there's more to it. 
That's why we're stuck between Calvary and Pentecost because people get justified and feel like everything's gonna be all right. And that's great because you're cleansed. Then you go through the process of sanctification and you end in glorification. And in the process of sanctification, you're gonna need some help. And that's why you need the power of the Holy Ghost. So why would Paul say this to the church at Ephesus? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? I don't know what that sounds like to you, but that sounds like to me two different experiences. You're saved by faith. You believed and you were saved. The question is, do you want the rest? That's what he asked them. So the experience doesn't happen on a certain day now. It can happen on any day. The experience was not and is not ordinary. I'm going to stress that. It's not normal. It's strange. I didn't say strange fire. I said the event and experience, the experience is a little strange. I'm going to show it to you. The experience happens suddenly. How many of you could say you are truly open to spontaneous moves of God? Let me ask it another way. Tell me that you've prayed for God to move in spontaneous seasons. Tell me that you tell God, God, just move any way you want to. Any time that you want to. The experience, according to the text, was strange. Why? Because it was demonstrative. Listen to it. Here's stuff that happens. There's a sound. There's wind, which is pneuma. That's God breathing or exhaling. There's fire sitting on people's heads. Suddenly, everybody starts talking in other languages. I just been praying, God, would you just drop down in some of these conferences like that? So y'all are looking at me like, man, Pastor Rick, you are taking this too far. I mean, look at God, man. Look at God. Elijah calls down fire from heaven and it burns up the entire offering in the altar right in front of everybody. Look at God. He tells Moses to stretch forth a rod and the Red Sea opens up. Elisha takes Elijah's mantle, hits the Jordan River, and it opens up for him. The Israelites cross the Jordan on dry land. A prophet tells a guy with leper, leprosy, go down to the creek and dip down seven times, and on the seventh time, you'll be made whole. That's weird. Are y'all with me right now? Paul prays over handkerchiefs, passes them out. They lay the cloth on people that are sick and they're healed. That's strange. The problem with the church today is we're used to the ordinary and we're not ready for the supernatural. Because as long as everything stays ordinary, stays ordinary, we don't have to be afraid. What would you do if you looked over at your neighbor and fire was just sitting on top of their head?
So the Lord said, there's not just the pattern, there's the pour. Everyone say the pour. Yeah. I wish I had a glass of water. Just give me a bottle of water. Give me two bottles of water. Open, open that one for me, chief. Open that one for me, Christian. Now let me just, y'all stay with me right there, fellas. Let me show you something. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. This is after the experience. Verse 17 says this. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. You know why kids ain't prophesying? Because we ain't allowing God to pour. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on servants, men and women alike. I will what? Pour. You know what it reads in the Hebrew? I will spill or gush out till it becomes a mound. To some people, back up a little bit, Chief, that's a pretty suit. To some people, you say that's a poor. And this is how we have church. He poured out today. He poured out today. Ooh, he poured out today. Lord, he poured out today. But then there's Pentecostal people. If that etymology is correct, to gush out means... God said, I'm not going to drop it on you and drip it on you. I'm going to gush it on you. I dare you to throw your hands up and say, pour it out, Lord. Pour it out, Lord. God wants to gush out on his people. It signifies not only the quantity, but the quality of the pouring. In other words, God is saying, I will not be the one containing it anymore. If it is limited, it's on you. If you stop it, it's on you. But my desire, if I had my way, God says if I was going to do it like I wanted to do it, I would do it like that. But it's on you. And John 7 says, and out of your belly shall flow rivers. Not a stream, not a trickle shall flow rivers of living water. He starts pouring out when we start pouring out. I want to know if there's any people in here that didn't come for a drop. You came for the whole I, I got to quit. Just let me, let me show you something real quick. Lord, help me, Jesus. Please, Lord. Please, Lord. Please, Lord. Please, Lord. Please, Lord. Please, Lord. So I started looking. For the first time, anything was poured out. I found it in Exodus 29, 7, where God says, bring Aaron to me. And he tells Moses, pour out the oil on his head to consecrate him to his office. The word pour there literally means to galvanize his spirit. 
to put him in purpose. It denotes the idea of setting something in security. To set in security. That when God pours the anointing on you, you're not unstable, wavering by every wind of doctrine. But when you got the Holy Ghost, when you got the anointing, it secures you and it sets you. So Samuel walks in Jesse's house. Lord, help me hurry here. And he comes in with a horn of oil, not a little vial. That's what Saul got anointed with. But David gets the whole horn of oil. He says, you got any more boys here? He says, got one in the field. He said, go get him. David walks in. The Lord speaks to Samuel. Watch, that's the one. Arise and pour it on him. David walks in. Samuel takes the oil and he pours it, the whole horn, on David's head. David is now anointed and consecrated to his office. The anointed Anointing carried him for 20 years until he could step into his seat. See, the anointing will keep you while the assignment is being developed for you. I wish I had a church. So here's what I prayed. God, is Pentecost Sunday. This is what the prophet Joel talked about. And I'm going to ask you, Lord, today at Quest Church to blow our natural mind. And pour out of your spirit on our sons, our daughters. Pour it out on everyone. Now, I'm about to preach this last point. But before I do, if you are a vessel that says, Lord, pour it. I dare you to jump on your feet, throw your hands up and shout, pour it on me, God. Pour it on me. Hallelujah. Now would you take five seconds and praise him just like he poured it on you right now? Poor Lord. Poor Lord. Poor Lord. Poor Lord. Poor. Pour it out. Pour it out, God. Pour it out on Quest Church. Every family, every man, every woman, every husband, every wife, every child, every girl, every boy, pour it out. Woo. Tell your neighbor, last point right here, last point. Acts 1 4. He was eating with them. Thank you, Jesus. He commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. What is the power? The gift he promised. What is Pentecost? The gift he promised. What is the Holy Ghost? The gift he promised. John baptized with water. That's justification. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Ghost. So when the apostles were 
with Jesus. They kept asking, Lord, when is the time you're going to free Israel and restore the kingdom? Here's, here's what he said. The Father alone has the authority to set the pattern and the times. And they are not for you to know. If they were for you to know, there could be no suddenly. If you knew it, I couldn't suddenly show up. But you will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Luke 24, 49, Jesus said, and now I will send the Holy Ghost just as my father, what? Promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and what? Fills you with power from heaven. It's one thing to be saved. It's another thing to have the power. For electricity to work correctly, Woody, there has to be a power source. Then there has to be electrons that move with fluidity through either copper or aluminum. Those material, materials are used so that the flow will not lose energy. The energy must get to the circuit. And from the circuit, there is a load of power. Between the circuit and the load of power into the device which it is aimed, there is a switch. If the switch is off, it don't matter how much power you got. I saw in the Holy Ghost that somebody hit the switch. Paul told Timothy, there's a generation that has a form of godliness, but they hit the switch. They deny the power thereof. They look right, but they ain't got no power. They raise their hands right, but they ain't got no power. They throw their head back and weep, but they ain't got no power. Because somebody hit the switch and said it don't take all that. But I got a word for you. There's some prophets and apostles coming in this last day that says the switch has been off long enough. Tell your neighbor, hit the switch. Because when the switch comes back on, anything the power touches has to operate in full efficacy. Some of you are operating, but you're not operating in fullness. Because somebody keeps playing with your switch. But today, the Holy Ghost says, turn it all the way on. Tell your neighbor, turn it on. You say then, Pastor Rick, how you know when somebody's got the power? You know because when they pray, you can feel the power. When they worship, you can see the power. When they address things, things change because they got the power. Throw your hands up and shout it again, send the power, Lord. You know what it means? It just means to be able. 
See, when you got the power of the Holy Ghost, you're able to do stuff you were not able to do before you had the power. If the power was not essential, then why did he talk about the power? Why didn't he just leave us alone? Why you got to be so radical, God, to send sound and wind and fire and people talking like they drowning? Why? Until you've had the power, you don't appreciate the power. But once you've had the power, you can't forget the power. Once you've touched the power, you can't let go of the power. Because you know if you disconnect. So I pray, Lord, hit the switch and send the power let me go ahead and say it like this. Some of y'all have the Holy Ghost. You have just not worked the Holy Ghost for a while. Some of y'all got the power, and you don't live like you got the power. Oh, I'm going to go country on your country vernacular right now. Some of y'all got it. Some of you ain't got it. Some of you got it, and you ain't been working your power. This is what I call a delusional Christian. You're delusional because you used to walk in the Holy Ghost, pray in the Holy Ghost, and suddenly that ain't fad no more. It's not fashionable for preachers to get up here and lay hands on people, cast the devil out, pray in tongues, call fire down from heaven because everything's so prim and proper. I don't see nothing dignified about the Holy Ghost showing up. I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. When it hit him, Peter came down from the upper room. And the people said, he's drunk. That guy's drunk. He is drunk. Peter knew what they were saying. Watch what Peter said. We are not drunk like you suppose. He didn't say, we not drunk. He just said, we not drunk from the wine you talking about. But if you came out of the power that we just came out of, you would be acting. Let me show you. There is some ex-drinkers in this building. And you were so timid when you went in the club. You had a little swag, but you kept it to yourself. You would get in the corner and just check everything out. And then somebody started bringing you shot, 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 shots. I don't know where I heard that, but I heard that somewhere. <laughs> and for long, boy, you, I'm talking about your BC days now. And then the man, boy, you say, hey. You start feeling that thing, boy. You're like, oh, hey, yeah. Everybody looking at you like, you all right? Yeah, brother. I feel good. How you feel, man? 
all of a sudden you went from to, yeah, you ready. You want to fight or dance? I don't care. But we're going to do something. Am I right about it? You call that intoxicated, inebriated. These boys walked into an upper room and just sat down and waited. And suddenly, there was a sound, talk back to me, of a rushing mighty wind. Michael Macon, you know what I'm talking about? Filled the house where they were sitting and cloven tongues of fire set on each of their heads. They come out that upper room. My sister called me one time when I was being a bad boy and she said, boy, I can tell by the way you talking, you drunker than Cooter Brown. I said, who is Cooter Brown? She said, I don't know, but I know he was drunk all the time. I said, I don't know what you talking about. And you know what I prayed for you today and y'all gonna think I'm crazy. I pray that God would intoxicate you to the point that you have so much Holy Ghost inside of you that you gotta stumble out of church and people say, what is wrong with you? And then you say, I'm not drunk like you think I am, but I am drunk on the power of the Holy Ghost. Here's what, here's what drunkenness does. Drunkenness makes you think you can do things. You five foot nothing, and you got some in you. And you walk in, come on. Where's the biggest dude in this place? Am I right? Because you start seeing yourself bigger than you really are. And if your friends are real friends, they're going to tell you, sit down. Am I right? But the Holy Ghost, I'm sorry to compare it, but the Holy Ghost is the same way. I'm going to show it to you scripturally. I'm almost done. I know y'all saying, Pastor, hurry up. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. Watch now. According to the power that works, is your power working? If your power is working, then he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think because you got the power working in you. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. What does the word exceeding mean? It means to throw beyond the usual mark. In other words, when you got the power, you land in a place you didn't think was possible. Without the power, you say, I'm gonna jump from here to there and you do it. But when you got the power, you say, I'm gonna move from here to there and you wind up way over here. Because the power of the Holy Ghost will launch you out of your pathetic past and into your prophetic future. You will land in places that will blow your natural mind.
I dare you to throw your hands up and say, Lord, let the power work. I'm done. I want you to get on your feet, throw your hands up and shout, Lord, let the power work. Lord, let the power work. Lord, let the power work. See, the power was introduced in chapter 1. And you shall receive power, watch what he says, Butch, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And what's he say? You shall be my witnesses. What did I tell you the name of this message was? The proof of Pentecost. If you, I'm all in. Watch this. If you are a witness, then that means you got evidence. Y'all just missed that right there. If you are a witness, that means you got proof. Oh, Lord, have mercy. So my sister walks on the airplane, and I'm 12 years old with appendicitis. All my appendix rupture and poison was all in my body. I was in the hospital 18 days and lost 21 pounds. The doctor said I was going to die. Send him back to Baton Rouge. Y'all get the funeral arrangements made. I'm sitting on the plane with one of my sisters. She was saved. But then in a minute I looked up and here come Connie. I said, Connie, you going with us? She said, yes, I am. One was saved. One was saved and had the power. She said, Ricky, I'm going to lay hands on you right now. Listen to it. And the power of God is going to hit your body. You haven't walked in 14 days, I didn't walk. She laid hands on me. She started praying in tongues. The whole plane is looking in the row where we are. She, she prayed. Man, I felt power go through me. I start crying. The plane lands in Baton Rouge. For the first time, they come with the wheelchair, Butcher said, we're going to wheel you out. I said, hold on just a minute. I said, I feel some energy. They said, sir, you can't walk. I said, I can't walk. I stood up, I straightened up, I walked off that plane. The ambulance was right outside the plane. Let me give my testimony. Let me give my testimony. And they took me to the hospital. Can I give my testimony? They took me to the hospital. Immediately, the doctor did blood work. He said, I'll let you know in about three hours. When he left, I haven't eaten anything. I looked at my sister and said, can you give me a Hershey's bar with almonds? She said, you got an appetite? I said, yes, I do. Bring me the whole pack. She brought me them Hershey bars with almonds. Boy, I was eating them things. Doctor walks in three hours later, and my dad is there. And he says, Mr. Hawkins, we got the blood work back. There's not a trace of poison in your son. I still read. There's nothing wrong with your son. My dad started crying. He said, Oh, Jesus. 
Ooh, Jesus, he stood up. Y'all got to know my dad. He wasn't saved till he was 42. But when he got saved, he got shown up saved. And if you said Jesus around him, he started going, whoo, whoo. He started doing that. And he told that nurse, don't you feel the power of the Holy Ghost in this room? She said, I, I feel something. He said, that's the power of the Holy Ghost that's in this room. She walked out. He looked at me and said, boy, get your stuff. We going home. I said, my God, daddy, let's go. We marching down. We got in the car. We went home. Hospital call. Where's Ricky? He's in the living room. What's he doing? He's eating a TV dinner. Them enchiladas with the foil on the top. Boy, I'm eating them things, man. And my mama said, Junior, did you not check him out the hospital? My dad went just like this. Holy Ghost don't care. Boy, I ate my enchiladas. I rejoiced. Why? Because Sister Power got on the plane. Let me tell y'all something. We need to bring the power back to the house of God, Pat. We need to start laying hands on people. We need to see disease leaving people's bodies. If you got the power, you don't mind connecting. You don't mind being a circuit. You don't mind sharing the power. I need a church to start rejoicing right now and say, God, thank you. Thank you for Pentecost. If you're wondering what church is supposed to look out like, then look at the first church. What is church supposed to look like? Look at the first church. 3,000 saved in one day. Crippled man getting up at the gate called beautiful. That's what the church looked like. But now we sit back, relax. We ain't doing nothing. There's no demand anywhere. Put a demand on the power. Call on God to save your son. Call on God to heal your daughter. Call on God to restore your marriage. Lord, let the power break loose in this church. In the name of Jesus. Come on, lift those hands all over the building. Somebody pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. If you don't have the evidence of the Holy Ghost with speaking in tongues, then just pray out loud. It's still evidence you got the power. Somebody said tongues is the evidence of the power of the Holy Ghost. I want to submit to you that tongues is one of the proofs of the Holy Ghost. It's not the only proof. The only true proof of the Holy Ghost is love. Is love, not language. Is love. Somebody pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on. If you say, Pastor Rick, I know this was a long message, but I need that power in my life. I hit the switch and it cut off or I never turned the switch on. Come down here right now because the power, the power makes you able. It's enablement. It's equipment. It's empowerment. When you got the power, there ain't nothing you can do. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 
When you got the power, you speak to things and they change. When you got the power, you dream dreams and you see visions. When you got the power, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, I'm going to pray right now. And I'm going to ask you to raise up a generation that's hungry for the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray, God, that you'll raise up a generation that wants to see the Holy Spirit move like we saw it move in the book of Acts. I'm going to pray, God, that you would fill people with the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to ask you to forgive me for not presenting the Holy Ghost more. Hallelujah. I had a prophet call me the other day and he told me a bunch of stuff. One of the things he said, if I said his name, you would all know him. One of the things he said was this. He said, Pastor, the church is incomplete. I said, what are you talking about? He said, we can't get past Calvary. We can't get past the blood. We lack the power. And he said, this is the generation that Paul told Timothy would have a form of godliness, but they would ignore, they would deny power, the power of the Holy Ghost. Throw your hands up and pray, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit. Somebody said, how do you get the Holy Spirit? You receive it. You don't take it. You receive it. Jesus called it a gift. He called it a promise, y'all. A promise.